We've been walking through the series over the last few weeks, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's a picture of a, a kind of a standard that, that we receive from Christ in Matthew chapter 22 when he was asked that question, uh, what is the greatest commandment? You know what he said. He said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it. In other words, the second command, the second thing I'm going to give you today is as important as the first, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we've been talking the last month about what it means to love our neighbor. And we've been walking through like the idea, the understanding of who is our neighbor. Because we all get it. We, we talked about it in the first week or two. We, we know how to love those we like, right? We get that. We look around this room. I look around this room. And there's a lot of great people in here, good friends of mine in this room. And there's a lot of people in this room that I know well, I've known for a long time. In fact, I walked through the nursery a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Nancy McGuire was over there. She's been serving in our, in our preschool ministry for uh, about 50 years, which means she took care of me when I was in the preschool ministry. She knows a lot about me. Please don't go ask her questions, right? I mean, there are people in this room I love, and I love, love, love this church. I love the people in this room. So we don't have a problem loving those that we hang around with, right? We don't have a problem loving those that, you know, that are in our own homes. We don't have a problem loving those that we just like to hang with, right? We, we, we get that. That's easy. What we have a hard time doing is loving the world. Because, you know, we always use the idea, the frame, the, 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 the statement, the world as like being those like that are outside of what we believe, right? We use the world in a derogatory term. So like when we talk about the world, we're not talking about a globe, Right? We're not talking about what we had like in elementary school in our classroom, that globe that showed us where all the, you know, all the countries were. That's not what we talk about when we talk about the world. When we talk about the world, here's clearly what we're talking about. We're talking about those, those bad people outside who don't believe what we believe. And yet Jesus said this, you've heard it said that not only should you love your neighbor, but you should hate your enemy. But I say, Jesus said, that you should love your enemy. You see, Jesus clearly told every single one of us that we have to love. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about what it means to love our neighbor. We've talked about like who our neighbor is, like the, who are those people that we have to love, and how do we love them. Last week, Tom Mullins did an amazing job of talking about how we can, can show that love through affirmation, that we can be that, that kind of person that encourages, that lifts up, that, that, that helps people to walk in their, in their journey to, to accomplish like understanding who Christ is. Today, what we're going to talk about is what does Jesus mean by the term love? Like, like, what is it that God has given to us of this is what love looks like? Let's be honest, because we live in a world today, in a culture today, where usually our definition of love comes from what Hollywood says it is. And I promise you this, that any time that Hollywood tells us what love is, it's going to be a, a skewed sense of understanding of what love really is according to God. It's going to be messed up. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be sometimes perverted, and sometimes it's going to be changed. It's going to be a totally different dynamic of what love really is. And as God's Word often does, as it always does, it gives us a very clear picture when there's a question in our minds, well, I wonder what God says about this. There's always something in God's Word that tells us, hey, here's the answer. And so when we talk about this idea of how do we love, when we talk about how we love our neighbor as ourselves, how we love our enemy, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a perfect picture of how it is that we 
can do it. Now listen, today, and again, I'm not like giving you any kind of news that you've never heard before. We live in a society that is divided more now than it's ever been. There is more dissension in our world today than there has ever been. The politics of destruction, and I don't just mean politics like, you know, Washington politics. I mean like the politics that we get involved in. And make no mistake, every single one of us are good at politics. We play our little political games, whether at work or whether at school or whether even at home. We're good at politics, right? We, we know how to, to game the system. We know how to spin the stories. We know how to change the dynamic to get what we want. But, I mean, we understand. We make fun of those in Washington who do that every day, right? We, we criticize them. We, we denigrate them because they're so good at it. Listen, no, no, we're good at it too. We live in a culture today that is so divided, that has such dissension, such destruction at every turn, that, man, we have to understand what does God say about what love is so that we can live in that regard, so we can live in that position every single day. So today I just want to give you, like, what, what does God say when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, when he says, love your enemy, how do we love them? First one is this, very clearly. Four points here today. It's real simple. It's easy. It's like, this is not rocket science. Uh, I promise you, I did not need to go to seminary and get a PhD to give you what I'm giving you today. Pretty much everybody in this room could stand up here today and give you the sermon, deliver the sermon that I'm delivering to you today. Why? Because it's just as clear as can be in God's Word, okay? So the first one is this. How do we love? How do we love our neighbors? How do we love our enemies? First one is this, with unconditional love with unconditional love. Sounds great. It's what we all want, don't we? I mean, like, that, that's how we want people to love us. Am I right about that? I mean, don't you want everybody to love you with unconditional love? I really do. My wife is sitting over here, and I'm so grateful that she understands unconditional love. I am so grateful that she understands unconditional love, because I know she loves me no matter what. When I'm an idiot, she loves me. When I mess up, she loves me. When I'm mean, she loves me. When, when I, uh, you know, blow it, when I do something stupid, when I give her a trash compactor for Valentine's Day, she still loves me. I did that, by the way. She still loves me. And so it's unconditional love. See, unconditional love is something that we all want, we all understand, we all talk about, we all celebrate, but we really have a hard time doing it. We have a really difficult time. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's, let's talk about what it says here in this passage, beginning with verse 1. It says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I want to pause right there, guys, if we could for a moment, because I think this is an indictment against the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Before we get to all the good stuff, before we get to the passages that we hear in the weddings, you know, before we get to all the love is patient and love is kind, love doesn't give up, it never fails, you know, before we get to that good stuff, right here, basically it says, listen, if I could speak all the languages of the earth, by the way, if you could speak all the languages of the earth, you'd be pretty smart. Am I right about that? This week I was in the Dominican Republic. I was down there in a youth camp ministry with about 600 kids. The gospel was being preached. We went into a prison there in the Dominican Republic. And by the way, if you've never been to a prison in the Dominican Republic, let me give you some advice. Don't. It's simple. I mean, just don't do it. I mean, it's, it's rough. It's a tough spot. Um, 
like really tough spot. And so I was there. And of course, you know, they speak in the Dominican. They speak Spanish. Now, I don't really speak Spanish hardly at all. I've got Google Translate on my phone, which like is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, it's awesome because, you know, I could walk into any place and I could type in words and show it to them. I did that. The other night, I got a pizza at the hotel for dinner. Um, I wanted a, a cheese pizza. And they had pizza, but down there, they, they, they just heap all the stuff on top. I didn't want all the stuff. I just wanted a plain cheese pizza. So I typed into my phone, uh, I want a cheese pizza with only cheese and sauce and bread and nothing else. Nothing else. And my wife knows this. Nothing else on it, near it, or around it. I mean, that's why I typed it in. And so I showed it to the guy, and, and I got a cheese. I got exactly the way that I wanted. Google Translate's awesome. I don't speak Spanish real well. I mean, I can do the, you know, Coke Light. I got it. I can do hamburguesa con queso solamente pepino ketchup, which is basically a cheeseburger with pickles and ketchup only. I mean, I got it, okay? So good. But beyond that, nothing. I mean, I've got nothing beyond that, right? And so if I could speak all the languages of the earth, I would be a really smart guy. We live in a culture today we're all really smart because we have in our phones, we have in our computers, we have on our bookshelves, we have at our fingertips all the knowledge that you could ever want. Anything that you could ever desire to know about, you can pull it up on YouTube and watch a video. You can find out in five minutes how to do anything. We've got all the information right at our fingertips. And here's what it says. If I could be the smartest person on the face of the earth and I do not have love, then I'm like a clanging cymbal. Basically, I'm just like a lot of noise. Here's, that's an indictment against the church today. Because I believe the church of Jesus Christ today is really good at knowing all the languages of the earth, of having all the knowledge, and yet not really loving. And so you know what the church becomes? It becomes a lot of noise. Man, take some time, look around. In our world today, when people talk about the church, when people talk about, you know, ministries like ours and so many others, man, they, they, they criticize and they make fun of. Go on Twitter, man, they, they mock us. You know why? Because so often we're really good at making noise and not loving. And so that's why Jesus said, love your neighbor and love your enemy. And here in 1 Corinthians 13, and here's how you do it. Let's keep reading here. That unconditional love that we all want, we all desire, but yet we don't do it. Verse 2, it goes on to say this. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, like if I had an inside track to everything that God wanted me to know, and if I had such faith that I could move the mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If you've got a pen, you've got a Bible, underline that. If you're looking at it on your phone or iPad, like highlight it. If you had everything there was, smarter than anybody else, Man, if you just had the secret knowledge of everything that God has given to us, if you spend six hours a day studying God's Word, I mean, you've got it down pat, but you don't love. God's Word says this, you will be nothing. Pretty stinging, isn't it? It goes on to say, verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing nothing. You see, the problem with so many Christians today is that un, we talk about unconditional love. Man, we talk about it. We embrace it. We celebrate it. We use the, the phrase often. We throw it out everywhere. But then we don't do it. 
Unconditional love means this, is that you love others outside of your family the way that you love your own family. Like my wife and my kids, I love them unconditionally. Do they sometimes get on my nerves? Yes, I love them anyway. Do sometimes they do things that I don't really like? Absolutely, but I love them anyway. Are there times that I do things that, that they don't like? I can guarantee it. Absolutely, they love me anyway. Like, like we never question whether we love one another. There's never a doubt. There's never a, a you know, a, a man, and I'm sure hope that she loves me today. When I wake up in the morning, I don't have to wonder, is Sherry going to love me today? I don't have to wonder that. I, I know that. When I wake up in the morning, I don't have to think, man, I hope my kids love me today. I hope today's a good love day. Like, I hope the day my kids, man, they just think I'm awesome. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about that. You know why? Because I know they love me no matter what, even when I'm not great. When I'm not the greatest guy around, they love me anyway. Listen, unconditional love, the kind of love that Jesus said we need to have for our neighbors and for our enemies is this, that same kind of love, that, that you love them anyway. And here's the problem. I think the church today doesn't really do this at all. I think what we do is we put ourselves in this nice little clean little box where we love people that are in our box, but if you're outside the box, eh, we love you, but we don't show you unconditional love. We criticize, we denigrate, we talk about, we make fun of, we talk about how bad they are, we don't show them unconditional love. So listen, how do we love them? First of all, unconditionally. Second one, we have to love authentically. So we love unconditionally, but we have to love authentically, like real love, not fake, not put, a, put on, not, not make-believe, not like putting on a show, putting on the game face. We have to love authentically. Look what it says in verses 4 in the first part of 5. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud, or first part of verse 5, or rude. So let's, let's read that again. Love is patient and kind. You know what that means? It means Love is willing to take time. Like, love is willing to, like, put in for the long haul. Love is willing to do what it takes, to, to take it on for, for the long haul. We're willing to do whatever it takes to love that kind of way. Here at Thomas Road, man, that's something we, we really work on. We have to make sure that we have this idea of, man, we want to love the world. We do a great job of loving people in crisis. We know we're doing that in Bahamas right now. You know that. Uh, we, we have, you know, collecting the clothes. And by the way, if you've not brought in clothes for uh, our Bahamas uh, collection, uh, you know, if you don't do it today, bring them back tonight. Tonight will be the last time we collect them, even though they tell me it's the last time. We'll still take them. But, you know, they told me to tell you tonight's the last time. Um, so bring them in. We're, we do really well. Ernie Rogers is sitting over here. Ernie, wave your hand over there. There's Ernie Rogers. Awesome guy. Last week he was on vacation. He was in Dallas. And he was flying back last Sunday from Dallas back to Lynchburg when I got up here and I announced that he was going to leave today going to the Bahamas with a team to rebuild churches down there where we're going to distribute those clothes. He didn't know it. I called him after church. I said, hey, Ernie, did you know you're going to the Bahamas next week? And he said, uh, no. I said, guess what? Good news. You are. Uh, and so he'll be, he's got a team of seven, right? Of seven. They're leaving tomorrow morning at seven o'clock in the morning, going down to the Bahamas. They're going to be working all week rebuilding a church. Uh, two churches, actually, they got destroyed, uh, helping to get those churches back online so that we, in a couple of weeks to come, will take all of these clothes down there. We'll be distributing them through the church because, again, I believe that when crisis comes, it ought to be the church that ministers to those on the ground, those in hurt, those in need. And so people will come to the churches there, and they will be receiving clothes and food and water and medicine, all those kinds of things. We're really good, really good 
When crisis arrives, they're showing up and, and making a difference. Somewhere in this room is Jamie Trent. Where's Jamie Trent? Yell at me if you're here, Jamie. Right where? Right back in the back. Jamie had a heart for those down in Outer Banks that were uh, damaged by the hurricane. So he wrote a song, and he put that song out and, and promoted it and pushed it, put it on iTunes and all that kind of stuff to raise money to help the people down in the Outer Banks who lost everything, to, to minister to them, to help, to help them rebuild. And so he's been doing, Jamie, great, great job, man, proud of you. We're really good at those kind of elements, those kinds of things. But here's the thing. Loving authentically means this. We love them when they haven't lost everything that we love them when their houses aren't gone, that we love them when they've rebuilt and they're still living in a way maybe that doesn't jive with what we believe, that's not where, where, where we stand and what we hold to be dear and hold to be authentic and real. We love them anyway. That's what loving authentically means. Love is patient and kind. It means this, willing to be in for the long haul. And listen, that's such an important thing that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, have to get, but have to get right. Because there are so many people in today's culture, today's world, that they see outpouring of love when a tragedy arises, when a crisis shows up. But then as soon as the crisis has begun to wane, as soon as things have started to settle back out, guess what happens? The church disappears. And we go back to life as normal. We don't really care anymore. We go back to doing what we need to do, and we keep our antennas up waiting for the next place to show up, to go in and show the love of Christ while we've left those that we minister to for a period of time, for a season, we've left them on their own. Man, the church of Jesus Christ has got to love authentically. It means this. It means it comes from the heart. It means it's real. It means it's not something that's manufactured. It means it's not something that, that we just come up with because a crisis shows up. It's because we love them even before the storm came, even before there was damage, even before there was destruction. We love them. It says love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Man. Verse 5, first two words, or rude. I wish every one of us as followers of Christ, man, I wish we could, we could just like, you know, kind of infuse that, like put a, like a microchip into our brain that we're not going to be rude. That when we go on Facebook or Twitter, when we sit there and talk to people or, or have conversations with people that we disagree with, people who don't believe the way that we believe, people who, you know, maybe are like radically different than what we believe, that we still understand that love according to God's word is never rude. Let me ask you a question. In the, the, the dynamics of our culture today, in the division and the dissension that is so ever-present in our culture today, how do you think the arguments, how do you think the conversations, how do you think the interactions in our culture today, whether in person or whether through digital means, how do you think they would go if every Christian in every interaction in every conversation understood love according to God's word is never rude? How do you think that would change the temperature, the climate, if you will, in our digital culture and in our interpersonal culture. It would change everything, right? Because when you show up to a fight and you want to fight and the other person's not willing to fight and the other person's there to love, guess what's not going to happen? A fight. Isn't that what Jesus did? Go to the garden. Remember when Judas showed up with the, the soldiers? And remember what, uh, what, what Peter did? Peter did what like, a lot of us would have done. In fact, Peter did what a lot of us would like to do. Let's be honest. Man, we, we, 
we're looking for an opportunity to pull that sword out and cut somebody's ear off, right? I mean, that's like awesome. That's like, man, this is a, I've got, I'm defending Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Show me that ear. I'm going to cut it off, man. We would love to do that kind of stuff, right? You ever sit down and watch a TV show that's like, you know, kind of like the Rocky, you know, where the guy's beating up? Man, you, you want to go out and beat somebody up, you know what I mean? You just feel like you want to do something like what you just watched, right? You know, some army movie, some, some war movie where these heroes come in and do incredible things. Man, you just walk out. Man, you want to take on like a whole army by yourself because you feel, that's what I want to do. That's what Peter did. That's what Peter did when they showed up in the garden. He was defending Jesus. He was defending, trying to protect Jesus from being arrested and taken to his death. So he pulled that sword off and he cut off the ear of that, that, that guard. And man, he could not have been prouder. He probably stuck his chest out. He probably held the sword up like so somebody would like paint a photo of it, paint a drawing of it, right? You know? I mean, that's what he wanted, right? What did Jesus do? You know? He said, put the sword away. What are you doing? That's not showing love. Didn't you hear me say you're supposed to love your enemy? By the way, loving your enemy never includes cutting off their ear. And so Jesus reached down, he picked up that ear, and he put it back on. Now listen, Jesus can do something we can't do, right? So when you cut off someone's ear, I guarantee you will not be able to pick it up and put it back on. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. But Jesus said, man, love. So we have to love authentically, right? That we have to show up to the battles and we have to show up as a representative of the love of Christ. And man, I'm telling you, it would change social media today if every Christian in every church decided love is not rude. Now, does that mean you can't disagree with someone? Absolutely not. You can still disagree. I mean, you can disagree. You can, you can stand up for principles. It doesn't mean we compromise, right? But it does mean this, that when we disagree... When we debate issues, we do it in the right kind of way. Love is not rude. And so we have to love authentically. Third one, quickly today. So we love unconditionally. We love authentically. The third one's just simply this, is we love completely. That we love completely. Like, look what it says now in the second part of verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, what this passage says this, is that we don't love with an agenda, right? Is that we don't love with this idea, this picture of like, we want to love someone as long as we get what we want, right? That, that it's not all about us, that we love completely. And loving completely means this, sometimes you have to give in. Sherry and I have been married 27 years, and I promise you this, there have been many times when we've had to give in, right? Like we've been in a, in a disagreement, or, or there's division there, and like something we didn't agree on, something we were maybe, you know, having a, a conversation about, you know? And, and, and there's times we had to give in, right? That, that's, what, that's what love is, right? And love, you have to love completely, meaning this, it's sometimes you have to recognize it's not all about you. The love that we must show to others must be compatible with the love that we show to our own families. The love that we have for other people, according to God's word, is just simply this. It's the same kind of love that we show to those that we love, right? And so we understand this. We get that part of it. If we're going to match up to what Christ commanded us to do, if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, love our enemies even, man, we've got to love completely. We have to love completely. That means this. Willing to do whatever it takes to show them the love of Christ. To show them that we love them. 
Now, he said that phrase, whatever it takes. Like, what does that mean? Because that can mean a lot of different things, right? Well, here's what it meant to Jesus. He allowed them to nail him to the cross. That he died for that kind of love. Love completely. Fourth one, quickly. Love unconditionally. So we love unconditionally. We, 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 we love completely. We love authentically. The last one, just simply this. We love strategically. Now this one kind of is in a little bit of a contrast with what we just talked about. Because what we said love completely is we have to make sure that when we love, we're not loving with an agenda. But here I'm telling you love strategically, which conveys the idea that we have to love with an agenda, right? That's, that's kind of the idea that you can walk away. That's not what we're talking about. Look what it says again in this passage, the last part of this passage, verse 7 and following. Or actually just verse 7. It says this, simply. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never gives up. So we love strategically. Do you think that when Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross, when he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross, do you think that he did that strategically? That's a question, a response. Do you think there was strategic thought behind that? The answer is, of course, yes, it was, right? I mean, there's no question about it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, in today's culture and like in our business mindset and our educational mindset, let me tell you what that verse really is. It's a strategy. That God's strategy was is that he loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die so that we would have the opportunity to believe in him. And if we believe in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you agree that's a strategy? Okay, so here's how we are to love. We're to love strategically. How do we love strategically? Love never gives up. It stays the course. It does what Jesus did, because our strategy is this. It's not an agenda. It's not like we love people just simply so we can check a box. Ernie's not going to the Bahamas tomorrow so that he can, like, you know, prove how good a guy he is. We're not collecting all these clothes so we can put out press releases. We're not doing these. We're loving because we have an end in mind. We have an end game that is a a, a good end game. It's not a self-serving strategy. In fact, our agenda really is not focused towards us. It's actually focused on those that we love. Why? Because we want them to see the same kind of love that never gives up that Christ gave through the cross. The fact that Jesus died and that he rose again. And with that agenda, with that strategy in mind, our goal is just simply this. We want to love them authentically and unconditionally and completely. Why? So that we can spend eternity with them. By letting them know who Christ is. We have in our church a number of people, we call our neighborhood connectors. And man, they they do an amazing work. They serve in so many different places. They do so many different things. The stories, if I had time today and I don't, man, I could share with you story after story of all the incredible things that that God is doing through, through these people who basically have said this, in, the, in our community we have 510 neighborhoods or uh, areas that we have in our community around the, the, the city and the counties around. And in those 510 uh, zones, neighborhoods, we have right now 409 of our church members who've said, you know what, we want to own our neighborhood. Man, we want to be there, we want to show up, man, we want to minister, we want to make a difference. People like Jeff and Lori Alder, part of our church and in their neighborhood let me tell you what they do 
When somebody moves into the neighborhood, you know, they go knock on the door. They take, you know, kind of a gift to them and welcome them to the neighborhood, begin conversations with them, talking to them, and build friendships and develop relationships with them. Why? Because they have a strategy. Because they want to love them, as Jesus said, but also they want to introduce them to Christ. It's a pretty cool story. I heard a story. Debbie Strubel told me the story the other day of, of uh, a family in our church, Phil and Becky Herzog, that in their neighborhood, there was a 90-year-old widow that lived there, lived by herself. And, and so they recognized this dear lady who lived in their neighborhood by herself. And they wanted to minister to her, wanted to help her. And so what Phil and Becky would do is they would go over and they would take food over and deliver it to her. They would go over and just make sure that she knew that they were, you know, that she was cared for. People actually, you know, kind of had her back, if you will, watching out for her. When snow came, Phil would go over there and shovel the, the driveway for her so she, and the sidewalk so she'd be able to get around. And so Phil and Becky, neighborhood connectors, man, they were showing up to show the love of Christ unconditionally and authentically and completely, strategically, to let them see the love of Christ in them. Gus and Tina Ritchie, man, a young family, two beautiful little kids. Kids are, I don't know, like, like one and three, I think, or two and four, young, young children. Incredible little family. And so they own their neighborhood, man. You know what they do? They walk around the neighborhood and they pray for their neighborhood. When a family moves in, they show up there and they take a bucket of cleaning supplies and they take other stuff and deliver and say, listen, we just want anything you need. We're down the road. Just let us know. We'd love to pray for you. And you know what's cool? Gus told me the other day that, that now when they walk around their, family, their neighborhood with their family, their little girl, who I think is four. Gus, am I right about that? If you're here, yell at me. Am I right? Three. Thank you, Gus. I don't know where you are, but that's not... I could have been Bill over there. No, no, no idea who Gus is, but three sounded better than four. I don't know. And so... They go out and they, they pray over it. And listen, the, now the little three-year-old, she wants to be the one that leads in prayer. And she begs her mom and dad to take them out so they can go out and pray in their neighborhood. Listen, that's showing love unconditionally and authentically and completely and strategically. It's a beautiful picture. People like Jerome and, and Jennifer uh, Kretcher. Again, people in, in their neighborhood, there was a lady in, in their neighborhood who was a widow, and there was a tree in her backyard that was about to fall down, and, and, and of course, this woman could not afford to have it taken down. She couldn't, you know, 90 years old, she couldn't go out there with a chainsaw herself. And so, you know, they wanted to help minister. You know what they did? They, they actually ended up calling Ernie Rogers again. And Ernie, you know what they did? They went over there, and they cut that tree down, they cut it up, and, and, got it, and showed the love of Christ to this dear lady. Listen, important things. Why? Because we need to make sure we have a strategy in our community. Christ has put us here for a reason, and that is to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you doing to love authentically? What are you doing to love unconditionally? What are you doing to love strategically right here in the place that you call home? Man, I would love, I'd love for all of our church to be engaged in what we just talked about. Like owning your neighborhood, prayer walks. We have a tool, that, a resource. I'm not going to take time to share with you today, but you can talk to our Connect team called Bless Every Home. Every morning I get an email on my email. It comes in, and every morning it's got people in my neighborhood, and it shows me like four or five families in my neighborhood, their name and their address, and here's what it tells me to do. It reminds me to pray for them every day. Every morning I get an email because of this tool that we have, and man, we'd love to connect you to that. We'd love to connect you to our neighborhood connectors. Debbie Strubel, where, Debbie, are you over there? Have your team down here after the service. If you want to be a part of like owning your neighborhood, loving your neighborhood, come down and talk to her team today and find out what that looks like to be a part of that. Listen, why? Because Jesus said, not Jonathan said, 
doesn't matter what this preacher said. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, love your enemy. Jesus said, this is how you love. And I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus said, this is how you're supposed to love, I'm telling you today, we better do it. So together, let's figure out how can we be the neighbors that Christ wanted us to be? Father, today we thank you for your word and we thank you for the way that it speaks truth to us when we lie to ourselves sometimes, when we make excuses, when we come up with reasons why we can't. God, that your word challenges and corrects us and says, yeah, you can, and here's how you do it. God, I pray that we would be a church that loves, that we would be a church that is so passionate about loving others, that, Lord, that we would truly change this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would do that. Lord, I know there are people in this room right now who who themselves need to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know there are people watching, listening today that need to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that right now you would help them to see that you love them unconditionally, that you love them completely, that you love them authentically, strategically, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them, for their sins. And according to Romans chapter 10, we've already talked about it today a number of times, that all they've got to do is believe in that message of the gospel, to believe that Jesus did what he said that he did, that he is your son. Lord, to put their sins into his hands. God, you promised anybody who calls on your name will be saved. So God, I pray that today, Lord, you would do a miraculous work in this room. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, our altar's going to be open, our team's going to be here. And if you're here today and you want to be transformed, changed completely by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the love of Jesus Christ, man, I encourage you just in a moment to step out and to come down here and talk to one of our team members here and just say, listen, tell me, tell me, how can I be saved? Maybe you want to come and leave a prayer request. Maybe you want to come and join our church. Maybe you want to come down and, and become one of those neighborhood connectors. Our team's here. Love to talk to you about that. Man, I, I want to be somebody who loves my neighborhood. Whatever it is, as we stand right now to sing, I encourage you to step out and do what Christ has told you right now. He's telling you to do. Let's sing together. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. 
But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's words, very clear, what we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves. Thank you.